0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of Teaching My Dad Football, the second ever episode of this podcast that we're doing.
1: Yeah, it is the second and I'm the dad and in fact I've already forgotten what we said during the first podcast because I'm known to have a very bad memory.
0: That's sort of the premise of this podcast is at least trying to get you to understand football a little bit better because uh, his memory is not particularly good.
1: Well, yeah, it's a bit, you know, I got failures. Yeah.
0: I've Which been... to the people who listen to the first podcast, you may have gathered by now, uh to anyone new here, welcome. Uh whether you're watching this on YouTube or you're listening to this on whatever streaming service you use, um welcome. Uh just for a little bit of a run through about what what we're doing um on this podcast and in future podcasts. Uh We're going to be doing this sort of every Monday or Tuesday after a game week um, has been played in the Premier League. We're going to talk about the games, mainly Arsenal games. Um, For those of you who don't know, we're both big Arsenal fans, as to those watching YouTube can tell by our shirts. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, We went to the game yesterday, which we will get onto very soon. Um, But yeah, we're just essentially we're going to be going through the Premier League games, talking about the results, talking about the games, mainly Arsenal, but everyone else. And then also at the end, uh, going to do some Premier League predictions for the next game week. Although, albeit um, at the time of recording this, there's no game. There's no games this weekend because uh, we're going into an international break now. Uh, but we'll talk about uh, the games that will happen in two weeks' time now.
1: And as you said, you know, the purpose of the podcast, in fact, the purpose of two of us speaking, you know, it just happens that we're recording ourselves, is for you who know a lot, dear <laughs> Joe, to teach, to teach me, Emmy, your dad, a little bit more about football because I'm not very good
0: yeah. at that. You're not, you've you not got the best ball knowledge out there, yeah, uh, to say the enough. least. Um, but anyways, with that... Uh, we will get into today's uh, topics. Um, I think it's no better than start it off with the big game of the weekend, which was Arsenal City. Yeah. 4.30pm on a Sunday. Um, It was a big one for us, obviously.
1: Uh, Remind me why it was such a big game, because it's not just about us staying, trying to stay top of the league, although... You know, with Tottenham uh this time round. But why why was it so special to try and get a win uh, this time round? Well general? it was it was
0: special because it's been so long since we've beaten City in the league. I mean the last time we beat them in the league was at home in at the end of twenty fifteen, the fifteen sixteen season, you know. A lot has changed since then. I mean it's been it was almost eight years. it took I think it was December twenty fifteen last time we beat them in the league. And since then, um, I think we then had a couple draws after that. But I think we drew away to them later on in the season. But I think since Pep's been there, I believe we've lost every single game to them.
1: Yeah, including, let's not...
0: Because uh, it was uh, 12 game, twelve Yeah, 12 games. No, did we... Just wondering if in Pep's first season, if we like drew or if we drew to them
1: anyway, but the history it's been a while, it's been a while, it was
0: cu- we played them in cup competitions a couple times and we've beaten them,
1: but beyond that in the league, no, yeah. But anyway, so what did you make of the game? Well, for
0: the most part, the game was pretty boring, I actually think. I mean, as a fan, you're there and, you know, you're on the edge of your seat because it's a big game. It was nil nil for pretty much all the game. Um and you just think any moment could change it. Um, which there was a moment that changed the, the complexion of the game and the the result in the end. Um But we'll get onto that one later. But not much happened. It was very it was one of those very tactical games where it seemed like both managers were both more so waiting for the other one to react or on the pitch for a player to make a mistake rather than for a, rather than to try and like really break each other down on the pitch. And you can see that with the attacking is that it didn't really get that many numbers forward, you know, bar set pieces. Didn't really see the fullbacks joining in the attacks that often. Um, and it was, Zinchenko started he likes to invert so he doesn't really tend to get forward that much and Ben White who you usually see overlapping a lot seemed quite conservative with that in the game you know he seemed like I'm not gonna push up as much as I usually would do because otherwise that leaves a lot of space on the on that side of the pitch for them to exploit but there wasn't much width in the game either uh, which meant a lot of the game was played down the middle of the pitches I mean if you look at the lineups for both sides, you had, for Arsenal, Jesus was really the only one providing width, at least in the first half, was the only one really providing width. But he's one of those players who likes receiving the ball to feet rather than sort of making runs in behind, didn't really stretch their defence, didn't really ever make those those runs from the wing, you know, making a darting diagonal run, you know, for someone to maybe play a through ball. He's getting the ball into feet a lot, which did help us a lot in times because the ball would go long to him, and it became a, a target for us to go long to when go, when we couldn't go short because he was sort of our only real long option. Um, and he was having some; he had a he had a good game, Jesus, I think. Uh, yeah, I think you know
1: him. he played quite well. You know, I think you know as possibly um, does, you know play, the, considering one of one of
0: the best games. Yeah, played. considering playing on the right hand side, which you know I don't. I don't know how many times he's done for Arsenal, but he definitely hasn't done it much um, playing on that right hand side. I know recently he's played a little bit on the left, but at least on that right, I mean, I mean, Saka starts there basically every single game. In fact, it was his first game he hadn't appeared in the Premier League in 87 games. The run, it's mm. insane. But eventually, he was gonna that was gonna come to an end.
1: So, do you think that? Because you said, you know, the uh, I agree with you that you know, both teams were uh, really waiting for the other to make a mistake that was, um, you know, that were all very careful, um, you know, which meant in reality for Arsenal being really good in defence because they were quite impressive.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, defensively, they were, I mean, both teams were pretty good defensively, albeit I think that was in part because of the lack of commitment to going forward from both sides. But at least from an Arsenal side, you know, Saliba and Gabrielle were brick walls yesterday. They were shut everything out. Haaland didn't have a look in. I mean, there was there was one, there was... Harland, you know, he's six foot four, six foot five. He's built like a brick. And Saliba, you know, manhandled him yesterday. There was one ball where it played over the top and they try to go shoulder to shoulder. Saliba barges him off. You know, shoulder to shoulder and Haaland go- goes to the floor and Saliba just carries on running and I think that kind of just summed up yesterday um, and it's not the first game that I, actually the last, this game and the previous game when we played them in the Shield Haaland in both games accumulated an xG of 0, he didn't have a shot throughout the the entire time that he was on the pitch and, and he came off slightly early in the community shield but in this game he played the full 90 um, and he didn't have a look in not one
1: so you you would agree? I've seen some um, you know some other commentators have said um, that c- clearly the way that Arsenal defended and played was you know down to you know very careful strategy from Arteta who decided that the best way to beat City this time round was really to somewhat play a more careful game rather than.
0: Yeah, rather than be a bit more gung-ho against them, which is yeah. the trap that we've maybe fallen for in the past, is that as soon as you commit a lot of bodies forward, they'll just exploit you in behind. They'll they'll wait. They'll bide their time, and that's the thing about City over the mm. over the past few years, especially Pep has become more. I know we always think of Pep as this super possession. You know, obviously possession and control based manager, but defensively the city side especially last season and towards the back end of the season just became so impossible to penetrate because they'll essentially be like if you want to attack us good luck like good luck breaking through us um like it's going to take something special or a little bit of luck for you to break through us um especially against the big teams that, that they're actually now quite happy to let you know, let other teams have more possession of the ball. And you kind of saw that with them with a number of times last year. I mean, when we played them at the Emirates last season, it was their lowest percentage of possession in the league since Pepper came in. I think they had something like 36% possession. I mean, yesterday it was a bit more balanced. I think it was City had 51, Arsenal had 49. But you could see it was very balanced in terms of possession. Um, Although I do think that maybe they were a little bit more possession-based this time round because Arsenal were willing to defend at times they were willing to sort of just sit back and and absorb pressure you know 11 men behind the ball almost you know almost just parking the bus at times but at the end of the day you know you're going to struggle to break through that which they did i mean their only shot on goal came from that corner in the first few minutes of the game where um where the, where the corner came in, I can't remember who had the header, but it was cleared off the line by Declan Rice. And that was their only shot on target the entire game. They had four shots in total um, the entire game. Um,
1: yeah, and as you said, it was quite, you know, though, from an Arsenal perspective, you know, being there at the stadium, but I guess everyone else also, daily watching it or listening on, um, you know, online, just the audio, you know, any streaming service. It was quite worrying and frustrating um, b- because, somewhat, because of, you know we defending so well, that was not a great real deal. No, there was no real chances uh, in the uh, game happening, and I got very worried at the start of the game because Ryan made a few, yeah, a I mean, few, a few mistakes. Ryan made a couple of, um, and I don't know whether it was intentional blindness. to. Um, uh, make sure that they play that way with um you know holding the the ball uh, you know through to the end or... i
0: mean obviously it's intentional that you play out from the back like that um but you know you're trying to entice city on with their press um but that he almost got caught out a couple of times he may, he misplaced a couple i know i know midweek he had the mistake against um against Lons for their first goal. Um, So you're just thinking, okay, how do you bounce back from that? And those first sort of 15, 15, 20 minutes, he looked shaky. He didn't look comfortable, confident on the ball. And, you know, a couple misplaced passes and then that one with Alvarez, uh, Alvarez, where the ball gets, Gabriel plays the ball back across Raya, sort of tries to open his body up. But at that point, Alvarez has come speeding in. Raya tries to clear it. Alvarez blocks it and on another day that could go in the back of the net to be fair from that point onwards he seemed to sort of like snap back and and really sharpened up and to be fair I think his distribution after that was 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 almost perfect but for those first 15 to 20 minutes he looked shaky and it, it, on another day we could have gone 1-0 down
1: do you think it was because maybe he was worried because such a big game and he um you know yeah what, what probably
0: the stakes you know he's in terms of a game like that he never played in a game of that magnitude before i mean i know he's played some obviously i know he played in north london derby but you know against city you know best team in the world and you're the team fighting them you know you know you're the team trying to dethrone them you know he's never been in that position before um although obviously he's played against them several times for brentford um and been on the winning side with them uh with brentford against city um doing it in the position of way or Arsenal is a bit different Um,
1: so what do you think if anything led us to the change and us being able to score a goal because obviously that somewhat relates to some of the subs you know that were made well the interesting
0: thing about the subs is that they were all four of them were involved in the goal Um, and in all honesty, I think it was a tactical bit of masterclass from Arteta because towards sort of the last 25, 30 minutes of the game, he realises that... um we're having sort of this static issue again, aren't we? Yeah. Um, don't know what the issue is there, but... Sounds a little bit better now. Yeah. Try unplugging stuff uh i don't know if that will help sounds
1: a little bit better um what's not figure out yeah
0: anyways um where was i um
1: so we're saying subs oh yeah the the substitutions uh
0: yeah i mean like perfect from Arteta really i mean kind of more seemed almost like a little bit of a reaction to pep made that triple change uh beforehand where he took he took off Alvarez, uh, Kovacic, who I think we all agree should have been red. If it's not a given the basis of the red cards that have been given this season, whether the Curtis Jones one, uh, the Malagusto one, Kovacic met all the criteria to be sent off. You know, studs high, uh, enough force in the challenge, ankle level. Reality is, is that the VAR team could have easily said to Michael Oliver, okay, go over to the monitor and have a look. Um, And I think if he saw it back, he might have changed his mind on it. They didn't send him over to the monitor. Okay, whatever. He gives a yellow card. Sometimes that can happen, you know, where you give a yellow. I I can forgive him on the pitch in that moment for not giving red. The VAR should do their job, didn't do their job. But then about five minutes later, Kovacic, Slides in late on Declan Rice. It's a yellow card challenge that one against Declan Rice, but Michael Oliver doesn't pull his yellow doesn't pull the second yellow out, and he should have, but he bottled it. Um, now I've seen some things online which are uh, a little bit interesting to say the least about Michael Oliver. Um, one of them being is that he is um, employed. Uh, by the UAE, like football league or whatever, uh, which is run by none other, funnily enough, than Sheikh Mansour, the owner of Manchester City. They, the two of the biggest board members at City, are employers of Michael Oliver, and so. It, <laughs> now I'm not. I'm not gonna. You're- I'm not. I'm not one for conspiracy theories, but he shouldn't really have been allowed to referee in that game if he's impl- if he's in if he's being paid by the owners of Manchester City then he probably shouldn't have been refereeing the game
1: yeah but what, definitely so in order to avoid you know any um suspicions you know i agree yeah. with you that you know there is potential conflict of interest and yeah he it's just like should any, have, any potential issue if we you there. know issue the request look you know i think in order to avoid you know that there are issues within the game and then there are um, you know allegations that rather not be the ref for um you know for this man well it
0: shouldn't be him to make that decision it should be pico Muel yeah says there look you referee in this league you're paid by the owners of Manchester City, there shouldn't be a world in which you then are able to referee that game. Like, you shouldn't be involved in any any Man City games because essentially, at the end of the day, your bosses are the owners of Manchester City. And if you do anything... You know, you can imagine if he makes any decisions that the City bosses don't particularly like... He might get a phone call about it.
1: Well, you know, I'm sure that you know that. So you know, it might. I'm pretty sure that men may not be. You know, I'm pretty sure that is not happening. But the reality is that you know the perception of, you know, of what is happening then leads to you know having conversations. Look, can I really trust them? You know, for anything. But I agree with you overall. You know, he, you know, the decision wasn't great. You know, her VR didn't help either. No, um, no, and you know, it should have been a red card. Whether that would have, you know, that, whether 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 the first that would have one, changed the game or look, not.
0: May, maybe I can understand from the perspective of with the first one, it was because the VAR team didn't see it as a cl- enough of a clear and obvious error for them to get the referee for them to get themselves involved and essentially referee the room from the VAR office. Whatever, understand that if that's their if that is their reasoning for it. I can kind of understand it but I mean he has to get sent off for the second one if the first one isn't red then he has to get a second yellow and I mean like you know people a lot of people will forget about a lot of Arsenal fans will forget about it because we won the game and you say justice was served as a result but if it if we had drawn or if we'd lost the game then Everyone, then the talking point would have been Kovacic should have been sent off. Arsenal would have been possibly robbed, and that would have been the talking point. But because of it, we're talking about it now, but we're no, maybe not got the same.
1: Well, we're, we're not angry about well, it in the well, same way well, because we won the game. Well, thankfully though, it's because it's late too. And what do you think would have happened had it been sent off? Do you think the, change, the game would have changed? I mean, you know, yeah, now? for sure
0: it would have changed. I mean, at that point, I think City would have become even more defensive. Um, they would have had to have taken an, uh, one of their front players off in order to compensate for not, having, for, for not having someone like Kovacic. But, I mean, the game would have changed irregardless. Uh, but, that, I mean, there's an argument that you can make that if they went down to 10 men, they would have been defending 10 men the entire game, wouldn't have had maybe much possession of the ball and it could have become an even more boring game because they probably would have just sat in a low block the
1: entire time. But... So we'll never know. We'll never know. We'll never know. It could still have finished you know, with a draw. Then it
0: could have finished as a nil. It, in fact, it very easily could have finished as a nil-nil draw. Um, but it didn't. Uh, but to get back to the original point about the substitutions, about all four of them being involved because I was talking about uh, Kovacic being pulled off the pitch. Um, I can't remember who else was pulled off. Uh so it was Stones, Doku, and uh, Mateus Nunes, who came on. It was Alvarez. It was Rico Lewis. Uh, maybe it was, R- yeah, Rico Lewis came off as well. And as soon as that happens, you see Arteta call over Tommy Havertz, and um, Thomas Partey to come on the pitch. And at that point, I think it's almost in his realisation of we need to go a little bit more physical here now. And the three players he takes off are Nketiah, uh, Jorginho, and Zinchenko. Now, the Zinchenko one, I think, was in part due to Doku coming on the pitch, being a really direct winger. Zinchenko maybe not the best defensively for that and so as soon as Tomiyasu comes on the pitch Doku had originally come on the pitch and was playing on the right hand side switched with Foden and went to the left hand side because they realized Tomiyasu's far too good of a of a one-on-one defender and Doku would have maybe a Ben White's not as strong as a one-on-one defender against you know tricky pacey wingers and so Doku instantly goes to the left hand side and that means that all of a sudden uh Tommy defending Foden now. Foden was playing very centrally in the game, and what it means is that Tommy then has the, almost the freedom to roam forward a little bit more. And if you um, there's a freeze frame uh, where you see the pitch of when Partey gets on the ball, sort of on that right hand side, sort of near the halfway line. Tommy is actually further up the pit, f- further up is further up than Foden is deep. And so from a defensive standpoint, Foden's on the wrong side of him. But you could almost think that maybe he was there because for the entire game he was playing with Zinchenko, Zinchenko, you know, playing the ball in front of him. Zinchenko's not gonna make that run because he knows he doesn't have the the height or the physicality to win ahead of there if the ball's floated up up above. But Tommy Asu's six foot two, six foot three and all of a sudden he gets he, he notices, he he checks Foden, he sees that he's on the right side of him and he and he makes that run forward and all of a sudden Partey rather than playing the ball short into feet, goes over the top Tomiyasu uh, at that point uh making that forward run because Foden's late Carl Walker has to come over to try and cover the space that Tomiyasu cuz he can't leave that space open open because if if Carl Walker doesn't come over then Tomiyasu has the ability to bring the ball down uh, so Kyle Walker has to then cover that space so that Tomiyasu can't play the ball down. He has to play a header. Kai Havertz drifts into the space really well. Tomiasu plays a perfect header into into Kai Havertz's feet. And Martinelli, who'd stayed wide all the time, then drifted in towards the edge of the box, sort of with Kyle Walker not being able to see that he was there. Kai Havertz lays it off. Martinelli takes a shot. Stroke of luck. Takes a big deflection off Ake. It was going in, but I think, I mean, by the looks of it, I think Edison would have saved it. But in those big games, sometimes, sometimes a deflection is all you need, and you know, a bit of a sh- stroke of luck, and it was an eighty-sixth-minute winner. Uh, funnily enough, I saw a post of uh, being really similar. I don't know if you remember, Arteta scored a late winner against City at the Emirates at home. You know what? If I if I tell you where we were, we were in uh, we were in um, Calgary at the time. Um, we were watching it on TV. He hits that. Sh- it was nil nil. It was maybe about 12 years ago. And he hits a shot from quite long range. If I showed you the goal, you might remember it. Oh, uh, it's all right. Yeah. We'll uh, but he. Arteta scored that on 86 minutes and one second. And funnily enough, Martinelli's is almost the exact same. It's 85 minutes and 57 seconds. Right. So, four seconds difference between the two winners, both outside the box, albeit the Arteta one was. Uh, Was a better goal uh, because it didn't take a deflection on the way in, but as a a fan, you don't care about
1: that. Yeah, and and I think you know. Then going back to the goal, what I think did help Arsenal is that the goal came right towards the end of the game. Well, essentially, there was not not enough, and there was not enough extra time for yeah, City to yeah. I mean, because
0: the game then restarted up what 87 and a half minutes and at that point you got two and a half minutes and then four minutes of injury time and the final whistle then went it basically gives City no time and actually in those six and a half minutes City didn't do anything they didn't I don't even know if they got into our box in that time period you know they got in and around our box but didn't get I I don't think they got a shot off uh in those final six minutes I mean they only have four shots in the entire game two of which were very early in the game, off that corner, you know, where Declan Rice clears it off, clears it off the line, and it then comes back into Ake, who then sort of blasts it over the bar. And that's two shots, and that was their their only shot on target in the game. Came through that phase of play, and and one of their only other shots also came through that same phase of play. Um, uh, so so b- defensively, it was it's probably the best defensive game I've seen Arsenal play.
1: Yeah. And it was very good. It was solid
0: for also, um, our first home clean sheet in the league this season, because every other home game we've played, we've conceded in, in the league. Uh, so, uh, to get a clean sheet against, against city who notoriously put the ball in the back of the net against us, um, is, is something for those players to be proud of. Um, now I've noticed we have been speaking about the Arsenal game for quite a while now. Um, So, we will move on to some of the other games. Obviously, it was the big game. It's only fair. It was the big game (laughs) of the weekend. We were Uh, there. Uh, Although, albeit we weren't sat in the same part of the stadium. I was sat in our regular seats. You were sat.
1: I was just above the city. Just above the city fans, which I I imagine was
0: very enjoyable for you to... At the end,
1: it was very enjoyable. (laughs) I won't be saying what. Yeah, um, we'll keep it PG. I don't think we'll be saying what, 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 uh, what people... And the kind of gestures they um, were making towards, at the, the, end of the, city game towards the city fans but i'm sure it.
0: if you've ever watched a football game an english football game you'd probably know um what sort of gestures people were making towards the city fans as as the game ended uh so which
1: game do you and i got into now so
0: next up um i think we'll go with um the game that was just before Well, one of the games that was just before our one uh the brighton liverpool game uh 2-2 from a from a neutral perspective a lot better of a game than uh, <laughs> than our game on the on the super sunday um a game in which um i think it was pretty evenly balanced um an entertaining game nonetheless uh, i mean i didn't w- sort of watched in parts at the stadium. They had it on. Um, But uh, Brighton obviously take the lead quite early on. Um, Their goal came from sort of a slow ball into McAllister, which then uh, uh, one of their new boys picked up. um, Right. And in any case... Picked up and he scored. uh, Hold on, let me check the name. Do you want to check the name? Because otherwise, Yeah. yeah to check the name here of the scorers I mean I know Salah got the brace um,
1: but at least for Brighton but he was in general term you know as they said, it was you know when they oh was... yeah Dingra yeah. Dingra
0: gets the ball he get he gets the ball he picks you know picks uh, McAllister's pocket notices Allison's off his line and from about 35 yards out he decides to almost like, almost that to be fair, he didn't lift it off the ground. He didn't le- lift it over Alisson. He actually just sort of passed it into the net. But Alisson was sort of quite wide of his goal at that point. Um, and the space was there for him to take that shot. And, and he went in the back of the net. Then Brighton had some chance. Well, they had some chan- there were quite a few good chances before that goal off of a few corners. But then after that, the game sort of slowed down a little bit. And then eventually uh, the space opens up for Liverpool. Salah gets the equalizer and Brighton at this point on the back foot then the space opens up again and they draw the draw the foul for the penalty just before half time and Salah dispatches it and they go 2-1 up at going into the half and you're thinking you know if Liverpool can hold out here it'll be a great result for them you know against a Brighton team that have had a very good start to the season bar a couple of results um and one of those teams that's capable of almost beating any team on their day, but they're also very capable of having heavy defeats. Like, well, at Villa, obviously they lost 6-1. So to, you know, get a good result against a Liverpool side, you know, will be good for them, that they didn't capitulate at the back. Um, On the balance of it, I think a draw is probably the fair result in the end. You know, both teams created enough chances to... I mean, the game could have probably gone either way, but uh, in all fairness, I think the draw was probably... And, and do you think that it right
1: happened? Because I've heard some people saying, you know, because this is like Liverpool, um, you know, the new version, of the got the new players and they've got their legs and they're yeah, fast, but they, but they the are very good in attack, but they are... Not so great. Not so great defensively. Is that? Yeah. Do you think what what is that? Bennett?
0: Yeah, I think it's almost exactly that. I mean, the Liverpool teams are past you. You know, when they were challenging City and and winning winning the Champions League and getting to finals. Defensively, they were very strong, um, but they don't have that protection in front of them. I mean, they didn't start this game with with um, with a DM starting. You know, they're only they're only real defensive midfielder is Endo who they signed in the summer who was a bit of a stopgap signing after they missed out on Caicedo and uh, Romeo Lavia um who both went to Chelsea of course um but they don't have that protection in front of them and then defensively Van Dyke's since his ACL injury while still a top top defender isn't at the levels that he used to be um you know he's getting older as well now, so maybe that physicality that he used to have isn't quite there anymore. Um.
1: Do you think that? Because obviously you know, it's something that Klopp be aware and it's, it's oh it's yeah, he's going to work it, on it. And, and um, do you see Liverpool being a challenger for?
0: I don't know how for long the title. I don't know how long they can sustain it because. As good as they are going forward. I mean, they are brilliant going forward. They're I mean, they're arguably one of the best best teams in the world going forward. Their defence is just not quite at the levels that it needs to be. And over the course of a league season, you need your defence to be there because there will be games where for whatever reason the attackers, as good as they are, just are struggling to break through the lines or can't put the ball in the back of the net and whatnot and in those sorts of games you need your defence to be there in order to you know hold out for a result or you you've only got one 0 up or it's a big game and you're playing against a side that's very good attacking wise. If they've if they're go if the side they're going up against is great defensively and great attacking wise, whereas Liverpool are good defensively, great attacking wise they'll get exposed in some games and, and it'll be the difference of them dropping some points here and there. And especially against Brighton, a good side, they, they do eventually drop points, Um, especially defending set pieces. They struggled. They really struggled to defend some set pieces against, against Brighton. I mean, they had those first few chances that Brighton had where they could have scored in the first sort of five minutes of the game off some corners. And then eventually the equalizer comes from a, from a ball, from a free kick whipped in off the left hand side and Dunk, Lewis Dunk, uh, the captain, centre back, sticks it in the back of the net. And from a defensive standpoint, Liverpool will be kicking themselves for that because you should be defending
1: set pieces like that better. So, you know, just and then we can want another game. But so, question for you is Brighton going to make the top four? And is Liverpool going to make it to top four? Um, well, I think,
0: I think Liverpool are almost a guarantee. I, Liverpool will get top. Liverpool get Champions League football again. The question is whether they'll challenge for the title again. That I'm not so sure about. Um, I'll have to see their defence improve in order for me to be confident in them say, in saying that they'll make a good bid for the title top four I don't really have much question about I mean it might even be a top five this year with the change of the format of the Champions League depending on how English sides do in European competitions um if they're the best if if English league sides are the best performing teams in Europe all of a sudden there's a fifth spot becomes Champions League football and if that's the case then yeah they'll they'll easily get Champions League football um
1: what about Brighton? What about I Brighton?
0: mean, Brighton, if they got Champions League football, will be incredible. Do I think they'll do it? No, I don't think they have, I, similar to, similar to Liverpool, but, their defense isn't good enough, and then their attack, isn't quite potent enough. Um, they'll, uh, they'll make a very good push, for European football again though, um, but again, they have had, midweek games, which they're getting used to as well. Um, you know, they've lost one, drawn one in their Europa League group so far, Um Albeit they did get a great draw away at uh, Marseille, you know, tough, tough stadium and and place to go. They went 2-0 down and they kept themselves in it and eventually got, you know, got themselves back into it and leveled it up quite late on with a penalty. Um But Champions League football, I think is a bit of a long shot for them, but yeah, it'd be one of those ones where, at this point in in this in the season, I think they're sat in sat in fifth right now. No, they're sat. They're either sat in. I'm Trying to think, teams above them. They're either sat in fifth. I think they're sat in sixth right now, which would get them um, Europa League football again. Um, but there are some teams who need to do some catching up, who we'll get onto in a bit. Um, that i would expect will eventually finish above them and then also probably finish above villa as well um which i think moves us on to our next game um of the of the other sunday games which is the west ham newcastle game 2-2 again um i mean from uh from what i've seen uh bruno gimarish very lucky to be on the pitch uh still um got booked once for a yellow card and then about a couple minutes later and then a couple minutes later makes another foul James Ward-Prowse on the break tripped him up should have been a second yellow yes and by the by the letter of the law he should have been sent off and Newcastle were lucky but in all fairness um to them they got themselves back in the game after a really poor first half i mean it looked like they were hung up on midweek. Obviously that brilliant get home at that brilliant uh game at home against PSG where they blow the doors off of them and they they beat them four one. Um they had a really slow start in the first half, they go one nil down at half time. Um albeit West Ham didn't really create that much bar the goal that they scored but Newcastle just they just didn't look at it. Obviously Eddie Howe came in at half time, said something to them They come out the second half and all of a sudden you can see the players are getting forward a lot more. They're getting themselves up the pitch and in the first few minutes they create some good chances and eventually Isaac scores the equaliser and then not too long after that, I think about three or four minutes after that, uh, ball goes over the top to Trippier who then plays it, plays a brilliant volleyed cross uh, across the goal. Poor defending from West Ham uh, in all fairness, but Isaac has a tap in at that point. Um, they go two one up, and Newcastle looked in the driving seat. Isaac goes to on goal again, takes it round the keeper, but his touch was just a little bit too heavy, and he, uh, from a quite tight, and then has to take the shot from quite a tight angle when he hits the post, and it could have been his hat trick, and he could, have, and they could have gone three one up, and at that point you would have said game over, Newcastle would have won, didn't end that way, and uh, West Ham then bring on summer signing Mohamed Kudus uh, quite late on and I mean from the moment he came on the pitch he just looked like something that haven't that West Ham haven't seen from a creative player since Dimitri Pyatt was there all those years ago I mean he looked I mean he's the real deal I mean I always rated him while he was still at Ajax um, and in all fairness I thought it was I was a little bit surprised he he actually went to West Ham I thought he would, have got to, he would have got to move to a bigger club because there were lots of big clubs who were interested in him. I mean, United were interested in him. Chelsea showed a lot of interest in him. Arsenal were even interested in him. Um, in fact, he almost then ended up going to Brighton and then West Ham came in for him and he chose West Ham over Brighton. Um, but great player. He's very versatile as well. He could play on the wing, play he could even play up front, but I think his sort of best position is playing as an attacking midfielder. And... He came on, he looked to make, he created chances as soon as he came on, even coming on like, a, like almost before almost before 90, just before 90 minutes. And it was like the 80, it wasn't it all sort of in well into the 80 minutes. that He gets subbed on and he instantly has an impact on the game. And um, there, was a, there was a statistic that West Ham only had five shots the entire game. And when he came on the pitch, they then had three shots, uh, from the moment that he came on for the last few minutes of the game. Scores a brilliant goal, um, sort of just waited his time. While, while sort of all the defenders are going back, the best thing you can do in football sometimes an attacker is just to either slow yourself down or even just stand still. Let everyone move in front of you because then all the space and op- opens up for in front of you if no one's marking you. Ball gets cut back to him on the edge of the box, uh, sort of a volley into the ground and sticks it in the back of the net and the game then ends 2-2. Um, albeit that West Ham could have then also scored a winner right at the death. Uh, but Pope made a brilliant save from Jared Bowen and it then he, he made a save and it kind of pushes out towards Ben Rama who maybe just wasn't expecting this, the save from Pope. and He just can't quite... He didn't, he didn't make any connection with the ball, but he could have made connection with the ball and it could have gone 3-2. Um, but another entertaining game from that Sunday, uh, albeit at times I think it was a little bit slow, but the game did burst into life, especially in the, especially towards the end of the game when, when Kudos came on the pitch and in the second half when Newcastle finally decided to turn it on a little bit more as well. Um,
1: so what what do you think uh, before we got to another game? There's just one question for these. So uh, Newcastle likely to make it to a top four. Uh, this season, well, top four or top five, I think we well, need to be. Yeah, well, top four or top five. So, do you think that I, they? Yeah, they, I
0: think they'll push again. They're good enough. Um, again, it will be the midweek games that will be the possibility of the, of catching them out. Um, a lot of people didn't maybe give them the best of chances to get through their Champions League group, but if they're going to play like how they did at home against PSG, against then when they faced Dortmund and Milan at home, they'll pick up enough points at home in that group to to go through to the knockout stages as well
1: um i mean
0: newcastle currently sat in eighth just behind west ham in fact um they're on 13 points west ham on 14 now newcastle last year did have a bit of a slow start to the season as well now the thing that you would say about them though is that well they had a bit of a slow start last season they were drawing a lot of games whereas this season instead of drawing those games they've been losing they've been losing games which they didn't too much of last season at all. They didn't lose many games at all. Um, and that might be the midweek. That might be the, ch- you know, the the thought of the Champions League games. And, you know, when those players are going for Champions League football, it's a little bit easier to pick yourself up. Where, whereas as, as soon as you get the Champions League football, oh, we're here now. You could almost think they look, at, they look more forward to the Champions League games rather than the Premier League games, you know, chasing, chasing, trying to get themselves into the Champions League the maintaining it is more diff is sometimes more difficult than getting in. Um, and especially then when you've got midweek games and they don't have the particularly most deep squad, uh, there'll be some tired legs out there. And I think you saw that on, on Sunday, they had some tired legs and I think they're also just mentally fatigued as well from, from playing games. You know, they've had some big games recently Um you know they knocked City out midweek the other week in the in the League Cup. They then have their first Champions League home game uh, against PSG, and they then have to pick themselves up again, go away to home against West Ham, who are pretty good at home this season, and uh, they found it tough for sure. Um, and that might be a theme that continues for them, but I would probably say that. I don't know if they'll finish in the top four, but they very well may get that fifth spot again and find themselves. And if and if the thing and if the ping pong balls bounce right for them, they'll get a cha- they'll get in the Champions League again. Because I think right now the current top four look very strong, and I'm not necessarily saying that any of those top four. I think the current top four probably the ones who end up getting champ- who end up finishing the top four come the end of the season. Um,
1: and what about West Ham?
0: West Ham. I think a lot of people wrote them off. I thought. I think a lot of people thought. Obviously, we got Declan Rice, and people are looking at their team now and thinking, you know, such a big loss there. But they invested the money really well. They bought in some really good players, and they've looked strong again this season. They've looked their midfield has looked a lot stronger because they have just have more numbers in there now. You know, almost becoming too reliant on a player like Declan Rice at times could not be the right thing for a team like West Ham to do. They need a bit more balance, and they do have that in their midfield this year. Um, they made some, they made some good signings, um, right?
1: Yeah, and so you, you I guess you know, that you'll see them again, you know, um, quite easily getting a Europa League um, place. Yeah, I
0: mean, I can see them pushing for Europe again. Whether it's Europa League, I'm not so sure. Obviously, they're in the Europa League this year again um whether they and i uh they could go far in it i mean they went to the semi finals of the europa league the other season a couple seasons ago and obviously they won the conference league last year but whether they go deep in it again i'm not so sure um obviously if they were to win it they could find themselves in playing champions league football but um i'm not so sure that they'd they would win it although they do have the experience of winning a european competition now that 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 team especially it could happen do i think it will no do i think they'll get european football maybe uh but i think there's a couple of teams above them that look a little bit stronger for european football and then you've then got the likes of united and chelsea who will be looking to push back into the that obviously united and chelsea both want to be playing champions league football again whether they will i'm not so sure uh we'll get onto them in a bit with their games um in fact, actually, I think we'll, we'll go straight into we'll go straight into the United game because they won two one, um, albeit they won two one very very late on um, through two injury time goals by Scott McTominay, uh, who not particularly loved uh, United, but I think after that game is probably the lo- most loved man in in Manchester. Uh,
1: why Why is it not, do you think it's not logged? I
0: mean, he's just, I think it's in part playing out of position. He's not, you know, over the years they play tried to play him as sort of more defensive midfielder. He's just not that. He's not a defensive midfielder. He doesn't play there for Scotland, and he plays very well for Scotland in a more advanced role. And I think his future in a more advanced role, if he starts to play more of as a number eight, more of as someone who's going to be involved in the attacks, he has the ability to score goals. And he he has the legs to be able to play as a number eight. And I think that's the position he needs to play in. Uh, he doesn't have the greatest technical ability on the ball, but you don't necessarily always need that. You need, sometimes you need runners in your team. You need, you need players who are going to pop up with goals here and there. And uh, I mean, it could have been an awful, I mean, like it's already been United's worst starts or a Premier League season, but it could have been even worse. I mean, they were one nil down until the 93rd minute. Uh, and then they end up winning the game 2-1. Um, now, they have a lot of players to come back, United, uh, still, so I'm not making too much of a judgment on their start of the season, but it's not been great. The one thing that I did say going into the start of the season is that last year we saw United play a style of football that isn't Ten Hag style. It's They play very pragmatic at times, played very defensive at times and hit on the, and looked to hit on the counter a lot now ten Hag's not that sort of manager he's the sort of manager where he wants to be in possession of the ball controlling games i mean that's what we that's what you saw at bright um that's what you saw at him at ajax um he was also then assistant to pep at by munich so if he is going to implement that style i think you've tried to see you've seen him trying to implement that style a bit more this season and They've had some growing pains for sure. Uh, and I think they'll continue to have some growing pains, especially until they get some players back.
1: Who who do you think they're missing the most? I mean
0: they're missing a lot of players out right now. I mean their defence, I mean, their defence that they started against Brentford was I mean, they're they're missing Luke Shaw still. Varane's out, Lissandro Martinez is out. They're missing a lot of their typical starting defenders their back line isn't the strongest right now then you know Amrabat still sort of trying to get to terms with integrating into the team you then got um a youngster in Kobe Mainu out um who you may not have heard his name before um but in preseason looked very good for them um sort of one of as a youngster you can see that he's confident on the ball press-resistant, can play on the half-turn, which is something that they lack. And it's something they're really going to need if they're going to... Tr- if Ten Hag is really going to try to implement his style, he's going to need some players that can play on the half-turn more because players like Casemiro are... who, in all fairness, is towards the end of his career now, is has never had to play sort of a lot on the ball, but also receiving the ball with his, with his back to his team and, you know, facing facing his own goal and and turn a player and play a pass he hasn't had to do that and and they need players who can do that if if they're going to get to where ten Hag wants them to be so they make if he's going to continue playing the way the way that he wants them to play i think they'll continue to have some growing pains this year and uh i mean this result is almost sort of a brush over you know it's a It's a paper over the cracks, really, of the issues that they've had. Yeah, they've they've won the game and they've they've got the three points on the board, which is the most important thing for them right now because, I mean, they could have... If they don't score those, those two late goals, they lose the game and they start the season on nine points after eight games, having won three and lost five. It wouldn't have been much better had they drawn the game either. I mean, if you know, McTominay gets that equaliser and they don't then score that late winner again. You're talking about 10 points, you know, three wins, one draw, four losses. But, uh, the the losses at home, especially, you know, Old Trafford's normally a really difficult place to go, but they've lost, they'd lost their two previous Premier League games at home. Um, they'd also lost in the Champions League at home to Galatasaray. Um, so, you mean, you know, you'd want, for, that, for them, they'd be hoping that they can make Old Trafford that really difficult place to go again. And so far this season, it hasn't been that (laughs) I'd expect that it gets better or expect that it sort of returns to, to the mean so far this, uh, as it's been this season and they'll hope that they can get enough points at home to get themselves back into a fight for champions league football. Um, but I based off the start of the season, I wouldn't be surprised if they don't make it. 'Cause I think their teams above them will pick up they've they've shot themselves in the foot within a bad start is because they'll have to play catch up now and they'll be they'll have to hope essentially the teams above them drop enough points that they get themselves back into a race. Because if it is gonna be top four, I can't see them breaking back into that top four unless they really turn things around. If the th- fifth spot is there, then they have a bit more of an opportunity to get back in the Champions League, um, but there'll be a lot of competition for that fifth spot. And, I think.
1: and on on you know last comment on on this game, and I've read somewhere, and I you know not watched enough of the Manu um, games that uh, some commentators saying that Rashford is not quite himself at the moment. And would Boys. you agree with that? And yeah,
0: I mean he's not himself, but. Rashford's sort of one of those players he's a moments player he pops up with a goal he can be having an awful game but he will make a run in behind the defense and it will score and it will flip the game on its head and that's the only moment he needs in a game is just to to put the ball in the back of the net he's not really the sort of player who's going to affect the game throughout the full 90s not that sort of type of winger in terms of like being on the ball and causing lots of problems um and especially his his form recently in front of goal hasn't been good. Um, he's looked are so sort of lack of confidence. Something that was highlighted by a number of people about him was that when he gets into positions near the goal, he usually he usually shoots when maybe there were some positions where he should have been passing. And there's been a couple of times now where you think where he used to would have just taken the shot. Maybe he hesitates for half a second thinking, oh, is there a pass on? And it's enough time for the defenders to then catch up and try and make a block and make the shot more difficult for him, where before he would have just been sort of like almost tunnel visioned in and just shoot, shoot, shoot. He wouldn't maybe necessarily be looking for that pass. And it's a difficult thing, you know, at his age to try and learn is to is to know where, you know, his possible attacking players for a pass would be. But I'd expect him to regain some form uh, again. I mean, you know, there was a point in last season where he went through a real purple patch where he was scoring every single game. But if you looked into it a little bit more, you realize his performances weren't always there in the games, but he was just popping up with goals and that's what they need. That's what they need him to do. But now that they've got a striker in Hoyland, they have someone there who's going to contribute goals for them. And, and so far this season has contributed more goals for them. Um, so he's going to need to learn how to play with Hoyland next to him. Um And the question is: Then he can he become a? Can he then realize? Okay, I need to also now be a bit more of a provider as well for him as well because last season they relied on me to score the goals a lot. This season they still need me to score goals, but they also need me to be a provider. Can he do that? We'll see. I mean, he's I mean, he's what twenty six years old now. So, I mean, a player of his quality, you'd think he can do it, but you know, the old age old saying of teaching an old dog new tricks right. isn't really a thing and at his age you do wonder if maybe he's just gone beyond that point of being able to learn a new aspect of the game but the thing that i would say for him is just play how you were playing last season the rest you know the the you'll learn how to play with hoyland and eventually you'll you'll just know the sort of positions he wants to be in you you won't have to look up for him you'll just know roughly where he'll be on the pitch um just continue the way that you're playing and try and get yourself some goals and get your confidence back up again. Um,
1: right. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I in think that's it, enough on... Yeah, so on it's very good it. there. So, uh, what's the next game?
0: Uh, I mean, going through the results. I mean, I mean some other games that were played uh, at the weekend. Obviously, there was no... Um,
1: Do you want to talk about Chelsea?
0: Yeah, I think we can talk about Chelsea because they had a very good result at the weekend. Um, beating um, Burnley 4-1 away from home after going 1-0 down in the game. Chelsea look like they're starting to kick into gear. They're, they've Their past couple of games, they've been scoring goals and that's been the most important thing for them because if you look at the underlying stats, they've actually won every single Premier League game on expected goals. They just have really struggled in front of goal now they've got a lot of young players. Bar Sterling, they've got a lot of young players up top who, they may continue to have some of those issues in some other games, but at least in this game they were they were on fire in front of goal and, despite even going one nil down, they didn't let it phase them and they go on to win the game, four um, one with, uh, uh, you know, they their equalizer a little bit of luck through an, through an own goal, but in the second half, I mean, they just dominated, they dominated Burnley who I think. Are having a really tough time trying companies, having a really tough time to implement his style. Now, instead of being in the championship last season, where they were the best team in the championship last season, and they were free scoring and playing against teams, obviously not as good defensively and not as good going forward. The thing that they need to improve is a defensive ability because you go one nil up at home against Chelsea. And at that point your defense has to be good enough to hang on. And, they hung on for a while in the first half until you know a little unlucky with the with the own goal can happen sometimes whatever you know you you take those you accept those they can happen but in the second half they just got they just got exposed and you know maybe trying to you know try to go back into the lead they left themselves open at the back and chelsea Exploited it, and they end up scoring three goals in the second half, and they win four one, which for them is a great result. I mean, they seem to be a, li- a little bit back on track. I mean, they've won two games in a row now. Um, they'll find themselves climbing up the table quite quickly at this stage in the season with two wins in a row. I mean, um, you yeah, know, a few a few weeks ago we were looking at them down in like fourteenth, fifteenth, on only five points, and um, now all of a sudden they're uh, they're sat in eleventh place on eleven points, and find themselves you know, only five points off fifth spot, Um, which for them they'll they'll see as a positive because the top four teams, I think, pick up enough points that maybe even at this point in the season, six points, that, that Chelsea would have to go on a really good run to find themselves in top four, but at least for that fifth spot, which will be probably where they're aiming for is Champions League football, especially this season. They seem to be a little bit more back on track now. They have got some tough games coming up, and that'll be the question: Is how do they get through the next sort of five or six games for them? Because fixtures for Chelsea coming up, they have got after the, after the international break, they've got we we've got them away. They've then got to play Brentford at home. They've then got to go to Spurs away. They've then got City at home, Newcastle away, uh, Brighton at home, and then United away.
1: So, so they got some we, tough, so tough, tough games. But so, you know, the next the next uh Except the next one, se- two, se-
0: three, four, five, six, seven games for them are really difficult and it will define their season. Yeah. If they get through that and they win some of those games, they pick up points, they don't really and if they maybe only lose one or two, they could find themselves in a race for Champions League football. On the other hand, if they struggle in those games and they lose those game and they lose a number of those games and you know, only pick up a one, you know, pick up like one or two wins. Then I think you'll, you'll find out about this team and you'll say, okay, I don't think you're going to make Champions League football this year, but you're going in the right direction. Um, And they do seem to be going in the right direction under, under Pocatinho now, uh, you know, with the way that they're playing, Um, you know, creating enough chances to win games that they've been playing. They just haven't been able to, Stick the pool in the back of the net up until these past couple of games. Now, will that continue? Will it regress to what it was before? We'll find out and see. Um,
1: but, you're, uh, you're, but they're going to have it, some real defensive tests. But, coming but up yeah, soon but as well. your expectations are—you know—they, you know, they're improving a lot, and so maybe. I mean, they've got a young squad. Um,
0: if you were to ask me whether I think they get Champions League football, my answer to that would be no. Mm. Do I think they could make a challenge for it? possibly do i think they'll but at this point in time i'm i'm a little bit i'm still a little bit unsure about them if you ask me in four or five games time what i think about them i think i have a bit more of a clear picture and i'll be able to tell you whether i think they'll they'll go forward and they'll challenge for a champions league sport or whether they still need a bit more time to to learn you know to especially in front of goal to to score some goals because they they're struggling in front of goals this, so far this season. Um, right. So this game could be an anomaly for that, albeit against a Burnley side who defensively are very weak. Against some better defensive side, they might struggle a bit more. Um, and then you know, bent against teams who are better attacking wise, they may may also struggle at the back as well. So that would be the question for them. Um, Burnley, as for the other hand, they're gonna have to learn. Qu- they're gonna have to learn quickly how to defend in the premier league because they're struggling to defend and if they don't learn quickly either company will be out of job or they'll stick with him for long enough he won't change he won't try and change them to be a bit more pragmatic this season and they'll go straight back down to the championship which i think would be you know for them would be a shame i think a lot of people saw the way that they played last season rated company highly and thought you know they'll come up to the premier league and maybe they'll play their football quite well maybe you know I think a lot of people had them comfortably staying up. I maybe fell in for the trap of a lot of other other pe- other people's opinions, but I was thinking at first they could struggle. I mean, not many teams come up straight from the Premier League, straight into the Premier League from the Championship, play their football and and stay up. I think the only recent, the only team in recent memory who has played football like a bit more expansive football and has done pretty well in their first season was Leeds a number of seasons ago, but. Leeds were almost a bit of an anomaly in that, you know, in a manager like they had Bielsa. They had some real quality in that team that season as well with Calvin Phillips. Bamford for that year in the Premier League is only season in which he was actually scoring a lot of goals, but they also had a lot of other quality in the team and Rodrigo, Rafinha, who have both moved on now. Um, You know, Rafinha you now see at Barcelona and Calvin Phillips, all those struggles at City, you know, was a starter for it has been a starter for England in the past number of years and uh they were almost too good of a championship side they came up to the Prenum, and were able to implement their style and were able to play pretty well f- pretty good football Um but it didn't quite last but for other teams trying to come up from the championship and play your football play the same style of football such a difficult thing to do and if so they keep don't... if they keep on playing the way that they're playing if company persists with the way that they're playing they they're going to struggle for sure and they'll find them i mean they're in the relegation they're in the relegation zone now although they they did beat luton um midweek cuz that game um which was originally postponed did get played and and they did go to luton and win uh, which was massive for them to get their first three points on the board um
1: but but as you
0: said they're going to struggle Uh, And I think now talking about Luton, uh, we'll move on to their game, um, which was against Spurs. Spurs away to Luton. Actually a game that uh, Luton could have got some points out of. They had some good chances, uh, especially at 0-0 still when Basuma went down uh, off the pitch because he got himself red carded for a second yellow, which was, you know, he picks up his first yellow. Fair enough he then dives and gets himself his second yellow. I mean from a Tottenham perspective he's been one of the best from from their perspective he's been one of their best players this season. In fact I'd argue he's probably been alongside Madison and Son being their best player this season and getting himself sent off is the worst thing you can do because now he misses a game for them in the Premier League which will be interesting to see because I think they're in a position in which if they lose some of their if they lose even one of their players in certain positions right now, they they completely collapse because they have no one else who can play how Basuma does. There's no one else in that team who can play to the level that Basuma does. Now, they could play with Hoiberg there, who is a really good player, but he's not the player that Basuma is. Um, now, as for the game, after they went down to 10 men, Luton did have some chances. There was, there was one ball in the second half It was cut across the back post at a buy at the back post, should have been put it in the back of the net, doesn't put it in the back of the net. And eventually Spurs, you know, push on, they get a corner, pretty well worked set piece. And uh, Madison rolls it across to Van der Ven, who actually finishes pretty well for a centre-back, more of a forwards finish. And they end up winning the game, they hold out and they win 1-0. But for Luton, that was an opportunity for them. And there won't be too many opportunities for them this season. I mean, you know, They've had a brilliant win away against um, against Everton the previous weekend, uh, and then you would have been hoping midweek they're at home against Burnley. Can you pick up some point? You know, can you pick up three points here? That's you know, that's a good, that's going to be two teams who are fighting down at the bottom, and if they picked up three points, all of a sudden they they create they would have created a bit of a gap between them and the bottom teams, and that can be enough sometimes just to sort of hold yourself out for a bit. Because then if you pick up some more points here and there, it will take one of those bottom teams to have to catch up to you. That One of those bottom sides will have to win some games in order to catch up to you in terms of points. So it was an opportunity missed for them midweek and it was an opp- another opportunity missed for them this weekend. Now, they are just sitting in 17th spot, just above the relegation zone, albeit only on goal difference over Burnley. Um, but it's a crazy thing to say, but there's a chance they stay up there's a real chance that they stay up because there's three teams below them currently in Burnley and then also Bournemouth and Sheffield United who we'll get onto in a little bit who are not great this season. And they could just stay up, which I think would be a miracle if they do. They could just stay up because the teams below them are worse. Right. Not, not, Not to sound too... I don't want to... I don't want to sound like I'm dissing them, but that's sometimes what it is down at the bottom is that you don't almost stay up because of the quality you have, but almost because of the lack of quality of the other teams and because they don't pick up enough points and you just about pick up enough points in some games to keep yourselves up. But whether that happens, I don't know. Um, we'll, have,
1: we'll have to wait and we'll have see to a little wait bit and more. See. I
0: think it'll be really interesting, that Boston fight. I think there'll be those are the four teams that i think will find themselves in a relegation scrap i think everton will be okay though um who i think we'll get onto now who played against bournemouth at home and bournemouth looked dejective ideas under their new coach they're defensively pretty weak and everton just brushed them aside really they won the game 3-0 pretty comfortable in the end for everton um uh, and yeah, um, Everton, I think, will, they've got a good enough home crowd and a, they can be a tough place to go to, although albeit that was their first home win of the season in the league. But if Goodison Park performs how it usually does, they'll be fine because they'll be get enough points at home uh, to stay up this season again. Um, and again, in part, that's because the teams below them are just not good enough and you saw that in Bournemouth I mean you would have been hoping for Bournemouth you know game away at Everton you know they haven't won a game at home yet you know if you can get on the front foot a little bit early get an early goal all of a sudden those nerves start to creep back in but they just didn't really they didn't really have any threat Bournemouth and right, so your Everton view, found it very comfortable in the end Yeah, and, um,
1: so you view Everton should have a relatively I am not say easier but
0: I think they'll find it easier to stay up this season and then than in the previous two seasons where they found themselves in a real scrap down at the bottom. I mean, on last season, it took a win on the last day of the season for them to stay up. This season, I think they'll be okay though. I mean, you know, on the game, you know, looking at the statistics, I mean, Everton had 25 shots, eight on target to Bournemouth who had had 11 and four, but on the balance of the game, I mean, if you look at the, try and find up the, Try and find the uh, expected goals for the game. Um,
1: Do you think they had, uh, you know,
0: reasonable? I, don't, I think it was probably pretty imbalanced. Um, from what I understand, uh, just give me one second here. I mean, yeah, I mean, Everton three point zero six, to Bournemouth zero point eight two. So even those eleven shots four on target from Bournemouth didn't really generate much, and Everton had an easy win in the end, and they deserved to win the game. Iriola, uh, new Bournemouth manager, who apparently when he was at Spain, I think he was with Rayo Ve- Veicano before. I could be wrong on that. But yeah. whoever they were he was with, he was very highly rated with with them. But Premier League football is different. It's more physical uh, than Spanish football. And he's going to have to learn that. And he's going to have to adapt his managing techniques to this Bournemouth side who don't have the most talent in their squad in order to keep them up for another season. Does he do that? I don't know. Again, it will just be based on can they just pick up enough points to keep themselves up out of those four that I think will be scrapping down to the bottom. One of them will will stay up. Now, they have the experience of staying up. Um, They're the only non-promoted side out of those four. So, the experience could be enough for them in that squad to stay up. But it'd be difficult. I think it will be a struggle for them this season again. Um, Again, I guess the question now becomes of Iriola because of how he started the season, Uh, how long until they start really questioning his position and think we're going to need to give him the sack and uh, no manager have obviously been sacked so far, uh, but there will be one at some point soon who it is. I'm not sure, but there'll be a few of them. I don't think it will be Luton's. Um, I don't think it will be any of Luton's managers, uh, Luton's manager. Sheff, it, I think the three that it could possibly be out of the the teams down at the bottom would be Burnley. But I think Vincent Company stays for long enough because of his performances last season. I think the two that possibly could go would be either Sheffield, who are bottom the Premier League on one point, or, um, or Bournemouth. Uh, just because they have not looked good this season so far at Bournemouth. and they'll want to keep their Premier League spot after doing it last season and a lot of in all fairness, a lot of people wrote them off and they ended up staying up um and didn't found that didn't really find themselves in a battle in fact they stayed up with uh, quite a few games to go um but this season it might be a little bit different for them um I thought that with the man, with the new manager, they might have kicked on a little bit and and pushed on, but they just haven't been doing that whether they whether they're gonna do it. I'm not so sure, but I mean, in all fairness, they have had some tough games to start this season, um, Bournemouth, um, but they haven't won a game yet. They're one of two teams alongside Sheffield without a win in the season yet. And they're above them purely based on the fact that they've drawn three games and have three points based on that. But I mean, a win, I mean, one win for them changes the complexion of things down at the bottom. So, I mean, I guess we'll, we'll see. Um,
1: so do you want to go and speak I about think we'll Sheffield? I
0: the other games now. Sheffield, yeah. Sheffield lost to Fulham. Fulham, uh, comfortable again at home, 3-1. Um, Sheffield did find themselves level in the game at one all uh, in the second half. You know, no goals in the first half, bit of a boring first half. And then, you know, Fulham take the lead through a good goal by uh, Declade over Reed, And then all of a sudden Sheffield find themselves level and, you know, away from home. You think can they hold out? And then eight minutes later, um, it's a shot by um, which of the Fulham players was it? It was um, shot by Tom Kearney from long range. In all fairness, really unlucky for Sheffield. It hits the bar and then rebound, and then the as it's coming back out, hits the keeper on the back of on, on uh. his back and goes in. And it's a stroke of luck for for Fulham, but for for Sheffield they'll you know that will be devastating for them because they will. they could have just picked up a point which you know any points down at the bottom are are important points but a little bit unlucky and then eventually go and, and lose the game um i mean fulham were much best team though i mean they had 20 shots six on target 25 and five and two from um from uh from sheffield and again on if we're looking at the xg Fulham two point three eight to Sheffield's zero point five seven. They just aren't scoring enough goals. Sheffield. They don't have the the uh, the ability to score enough goals to, and that might be what keeps them sends them back down because they've not been looking good so far this season.
1: And and what about and what about what about Fulham? And how do you I mean, think Fulham will
0: be comfortable uh, again? Um, I think a little. There was some questions, uh, especially if Paulinia had gone to Bayern, there would have been some real questions about how are they going to stay up, but. Again, there's just enough teams below them that aren't good enough that they'll, even if they're not particularly great this season, um, they'll stay up based on that. Everyone else below them is worse.
1: Right. Um, who else got, have couple, we got? we got a
0: couple more games to, to, to cover here. Uh, so to any of the fans who are listening, who we haven't covered yet, I do apologize. It's only at this point in the video that we have, uh, Wolves Villa, West Midlands Derby. Um, pretty balanced game I would say uh Wolves who I think a lot of people thought were gonna really struggle this season um with the loss of especially Ruben Neves and then with the mess that they were in over the summer um and then Lopetegui walked and they don't get um they don't get uh why have I forgotten the name of the manager Bournemouth's manager last season well Bournemouth's manager that took over last season uh his name has just completely gone from my head.
1: Oh, uh, it doesn't matter. So you know, it's Mister X, and then we'll figure out who. Yeah, you, uh, hold
0: on. <laughs> so I'm yeah. supposed to be the one who Gary O'Neill, yeah. Gary O'Neill, uh, and Wolves have. You know, after that City game last weekend, where they upset them and they and they win the game, and they played really well against City. There, I think they played them as as perfectly as a team at the bottom can, you know, a team that's not going to at least try and go toe to toe with city can play them. Um, and then this weekend, this weekend against Villa, uh, you know, big game, um, you know, a Derby game for them, although not the Derby for them being that their main rivals, are West Brom, who are still in the championship, same for mm-hmm. Villa, their, their main rivals, are Birmingham city, uh, but a big game for both of them. And, uh, relatively even game you would i would would say uh the first half was a from just looking at it not much happened but the second get but the second half you know really sprung to life wolves go into the lead um through um uh huang who scored his five games in a row at home that he scored in for them so I think he became the first player since like sometime in the seventies to do that for Wolves. So they're scoring some goals, Wolves, this season. After the start of the season, they were really struggling to put the ball in the back of the net. They are actually putting the ball in the back of the net, back in the net, back of the net now. And uh, they went one nil up, and then only a couple minutes later to be pegged back by uh, by Paul Torres' goal, who gets his first goal for Villa, uh, assist uh, by Ollie Watkins, who has been on absolute fire for Villa so far this season and uh, ends up on his even at the end of it although Villa could have won it at the end through a couple of chances after Wolves had Mario Lamina sent off in the 94th minute for a second yellow for a shirt tug which was just really stupid and he just blatantly tugs the shirt of I can't remember which Villa player it was but blatantly tugs the shirt the referee's going to give you a yellow for that most you know nine times out of ten you don't just don't get yourself sent off there, you know, get yourself suspended for a game now. Uh, And Villa could have nabbed it at the end, which would have been, you know, glory for Villa, who then would have, uh, had they won that game, they would have found themselves actually sat in the top four. But for Villa, they've had a very, very good start to the season uh, under Emery. Uh, I've been very impressed with them. They've had a lot of players performing a very good level. They look like they have a strong squad now i think the good thing for them is because they're in the conference league which isn't necessarily the most competitive competition at The especially in the group stages they can afford to play some weaker teams in midweek which gives their players a little bit more rest where if you'd say if they were in the europa league you have to fill the much stronger squad in those competitions and uh they may have then they may then have those sort of uh weekend struggles but the first half they weren't particularly great the second half they were a lot better Villa I mean both sides were a lot better in the second half and I mean I'd say a draw was relatively fair however though Villa were robbed of a penalty uh, towards the end of the game Ollie Watkins threw on goal shoved from behind but because he still gets his shot off I think that's the reason why the referee doesn't give it and the VAR look at it and don't give it but he's clearly shoved from behind a hand on his back clearly sets him off balance while he's taking the shot the shot he gets off he's completely off balance he falls over you know mid taking the shot and and they should have been given a penalty and I just I I don't get it you know if he had not got the shot if he had decided to have just gone down there and not take the shot they probably award a penalty and Villa possibly have the opportunity to win the game Um, but it doesn't happen And for them, they'll be frustrated at that, that they didn't get that penalty. But on the balance of it, I think a draw was probably fair for the most part of the game. However, VAR and referees, again, just not performing up to the level that they should be.
1: Um, So for end of the season, you see Villa having another good season.
0: Yeah, I think they'll challenge again for Europe. Um, What about Wolves? Wolves, I think, will stay up. I think a lot of people said that they could find themselves in, sh- in a struggle, but they've looked good so far this season, in, even in games that they're struggling to That's s- okay. What is it? No,
1: that's no, okay. What was it? No, that's no, fine. I thought it was something else. I do apologize.
0: Oh, what is it? The time? Yeah, the time. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, we'll, we'll get this finished off very soon because the next game was very boring as well, but as for both sides, I think Wolves will be fine. They'll probably find themselves finishing in the mid-table or if they are like 14th 15th they'll find themselves well off relegation i don't think they'll be fine and for villa i think the target for them will be europa league however they had had a very good start to the season if they can keep it up for most of the game they can find themselves finishing uh possibly fifth spot which could get them champions league football as for the final game forest palace very boring nil nil um I do apologise. We're not really going to speak too much about it because there weren't many chances in the game. I mean, Mateta had a good chance for Palace and Gibbs-White had a good chance. However, there was one chance in the game for um, new signing for Forrest. Uh I, I forget his name. Uh, when I see his name, it will remind me of Murillo, who skip past a few players and if he had put it in the back of the net possibly would have been goal of the season but hits it almost straight at the keeper and actually did get a rebound uh and the shot on the rebound he then also hit straight to the keeper but uh for that game i mean again for both of their seasons i mean nil nil on the balance of it wasn't a great game um not many chances created i mean again if we look at the xg of that game uh Palace 0.98 Forest 1.31 so you'd probably say draw on you know Forest well, outscored them by what 0.33 on xg draw is probably fair right. result on the, at the end of it but had one of them just been able to put their chance in the back of the net they could have won they could have won the game uh, again both teams I think will be comfortably mid table stay up so a draw for them both of them will be okay Pleased. with that mm-hmm. um, position wise on the table. Uh, you know, Forest sat in thirteenth on eleven points, and Palace sat on in ninth on twelve points. So, do you think there's going to be
1: more or less where they're going to end up this season, sort of that? Yeah, halfway? I
0: think I th- Palace, who, as long as they've been in the Premier League now, have never finished in the top half of the table, <laughs> <laughs> which is a uh, which is a strange thing. Um, but the <laughs> the question for them is, can they finally finish in the top half of the table? don't know right uh but i mean they'll be in that mid-table position i think forest will be as well so unless any of them go on a particularly bad losing run i don't i don't see any either of them finding themselves struggling this season they'll both comfortably stay up again um which is maybe a little bit boring for both of them because you don't get the nervousness of a relegation scrap but you don't get the excitement of you know trying to push on towards european football they'll both be sort of just in the middle which i'm sure they'll be happy with but from a you know for for a team like palace can imagine now it's getting a little bit boring for them because they've been in the league so long you'd think that maybe eventually they because of all that money that they've been having for the past 10 years they can just invest it and they can get themselves up the table maybe just have like a season or two in europe but they haven't been able to do that uh they haven't even been able to crack the top 10 so um yeah uh
1: Right, so where do you want to go now?
0: Finish off, uh, obviously, no, f- no, there won't be an episode next week because uh, international football, so we'll be back in two weeks' time uh, for another Premier League uh, roundup of fixtures. But uh, before we leave, I think we'll do our predictions again. Um, so I'll, I'll go in order of the games. So the first game on Saturday is... Uh, Merseyside derby Liverpool at home to Everton Uh,
1: Predictions uh, It's going to be probably 3-1 to Liverpool 3-1 to Liverpool
0: Yeah I mean I maybe see Everton getting a goal but I mean 3-1 sounds about I'll go with I think if Liverpool will blow them blow them out of the water I think they'll win 4-1 Next up Bournemouth at home to Wolves really important game for Bournemouth at home to Wolves who they could get a result against and they need to get they need to get some points um, but I don't think they'll get a win however I do think
1: it will be a draw I think it will finish one all. Yeah. I don't know uh, in, uh, somehow I think Wolves is going to do better there Bournemouth another or or the plainer way I think they're going to win 1-0 1-0
0: okay uh next up Brentford Burnley. Now Brentford have struggled for points so far this season, although I think I think they'll be okay. Uh, they have a good enough manager and they have good enough players. Um Burnley away to Brentford. Um they haven't been as good at home this season, Brentford. I mean they were I mean, in all honesty, they were you know a few minutes away from getting ten points and would have been mid table, but they find themselves I think sat down in like fifteenth or sixteenth for now. Uh I think fifteenth uh above Everton. Um, but they're at home to Burnley who have really struggled to defend this season. I think it will continue that way. I think Brentford will win comfortably. I think they'll win a 2-0. I
1: think they're going to win, but 1-0. Okay.
0: Uh, Then next up, uh, City, who for the first time since December of 2018 lost two consecutive games in the Premier League, which an incredible record. If you look at all other teams, the team... The next team to have not lost consecutive now the longest record for not losing consecutive games in the Premier League is actually Brighton, who haven't lost consecutive games since last year, since uh, I think October twenty twenty two, which is just an attest to the work that Deserby is doing at Brighton now. Um, City at home to Brighton, and you know maybe with a little bit of confidence lost with City, you know they'll want to get back on track. It's one of those games that they could either come out, Brighton and they could blow Brighton out the water. Or if Brighton are play really well, they could find themselves in a bit of trouble, Brighton being a pretty good side. Um, I, however, do think that City will get over the line. I don't think it will be the easiest game, but I'll go for a 2-1 City.
1: And don't forget, I think City's going to go back. Gonna go back. Uh, gonna go back um, yeah, they'll be having Rodri back. Rodri back, and so... Uh, uh,
0: who's so important for them. I mean, if you look at their... The games that they don't have Rodri, and the games that they do have Rodri, I mean they played way more games with Rodri, and they've, I think, only lost about five in the games that he played, and the games they haven't played with Rodri, which isn't many, they've actually lost more games than in all the games they've had with him. So he's their, he's arguably their most important player on the pitch. They have no, I think the thing is they have no real replacement for him they have no player who can play his position they have to go with like two players playing the dm role rather than just having one single player playing the dm role which is part of the reason why they wanted Declan rice uh in the summer uh they decided not to go beyond that first bid that they made for him because they didn't want to get into a bidding war and i think they knew that Declan rice wanted to go to arsenal um but that's part of the reason why pep wanted Declan rice um But uh, he'll be back, so I think they will get a win. But I think Brighton will give them a little bit of trouble, at least. Um,
1: um, uh, I think I'm just going to be bit optimistic. And I think there's the chance of a draw. I mean, Burnham. I do think it's possible. I just um, I just
0: think City, after two losses in a row, they'll, uh, they'll just be like, yeah, we're not dropping points the next game.
1: Um, but I think, you know, I'm going to be optimistic. It's going to be a 1-0. Uh-huh.
0: I mean, I, I'd happily take that. I just don't think it will happen. Uh moving on then Newcastle against Palace, Newcastle at home to Palace. I think this will be a pretty routine win for Newcastle.
1: Um Is that what you think? it's just a question of how many goals they're gonna put behind.
0: Yeah, I mean uh, Palace are decent defensively, so I don't think it will be a I don't think they'll uh, they'll there'll be a route by any by any means of it, but uh let's see Palace getting a goal. i take i go three one Newcastle.
1: I'll go 3 0. Okay.
0: And then moving on uh Forest at home to Luton. I mean, there's somewhat of an opportunity for Luton, but Forrest are very good at home. I think they'll continue to be good at home and they'll win this game 2 0.
1: Uh, I'm going to surprise this because I think Luton somewhat can win this game and uh, I think they're going to win 1 0. Yeah,
0: they'll they'll steal it on the road 1 0. Fair enough. And then. Two s- two late games on the Saturday. One one evening kickoff, five thirty. So the we've got uh, Arsenal away at Chelsea. Who uh, now Stamford Bridge recently for us in the past three games we have won all three games in the league at Stamford Bridge. Uh, although I do think it will be harder than it was against them last season at Stamford Bridge in a game that I know we only won one nil, but we could have easily won two or three nil. Like we could have easily won. We could have easily put a few goals p- past them. They do look defensively quite solid, so I think they'll be difficult to break down. However, I think attacking-wise, they'll str- because of our defensive capabilities, they may struggle and I think we'll win the game. Albeit, I think we'll only win it 1-0. Uh, I'm
1: going to go for 1-0 as well, because I agree yeah. with what you said. Um, I think
0: they'll give us a decent game, but they just won't. I think they'll get into some good positions. They just won't create really much. And then we'll probably just have a little bit more quality in front of gone and get the win. And then there's an 8 eight p.m. Saturday kickoff, which is really late for a, for a Saturday. Uh, and it's Sheffield at home to United. Now, because of United's poor start to the season, you're thinking for, for Sheffield, they have to be going into that game thinking maybe we can get something out of this. We're at home, in front of our home crowd. You know, against a United team who have looked mentally maybe a little bit weak. Can we get something against them? And my answer to that is that I think they will, but I think it will be a draw. I think it will be... Uh, I'm going to be boring here. I think it will be
1: 0-0. So, Mao, I think Man U is going to win, and... Um, I mean, look, United should be winning. You know, but I, but I, I think... I, I think it's going to be a 2-0. A 2-0 for I Man
0: And then um, one Sunday, only one Sunday game... Um, and that's uh, Villa at home to West Ham. Actually, a pretty good clash between two teams that have had good starts to the season. Villa are at home, though. Villa Park is a tough place to go for teams, and I think for that reason, Villa will get a result. Although I do think, again, West Ham will give them a good game. I'd go 2-1 Villa. I've got one all. or one 1-0, all. Okay. okay. And then uh, only Monday, well, one Monday game. Spurs at home to Fulham. I suppose we'll be missing Basuma, but I think f- they're not coming up against a big enough test that could cause them mu- that will cause them any damage and I think they'll they'll maybe struggle at parts in the game but I think they'll get over the line I think they'll create enough chances and they'll win 2-0. Uh
1: although I dislike the thought of that but I agree with you they're going to win they're going to find relatively easy uh to win so yeah 2 nil as well.
0: Yeah, okay, I think that um that rounds everything up for us. Um this uh for this episode. Um now again, bit of a break until the next one. Um, but when it does come around, we'll uh, record it and put it out as soon as as soon as we can. Yeah, and what uh, we
1: may do next time is review what we said predictions and see how. Yeah, yeah. I think we'll. Uh, <laughs>
0: we'll I'll. Uh, I'll go back and I'll. I'll listen to the end of this and see how our results came out. I mean, you know, we might be able to do a little bit of a thing of. uh we can set up a bit of a league between us two every week to see who. Uh, you know got who, it right. who who. who predict the the correct score line you get like three points for it and if you predict the sort of right result either a win or a draw you get one point for it and then obviously if you don't predict it right you get no points for Mm -hmm. it i quite like that okay um okay so uh thank you what everyone for either watching or listening uh to another episode of the teaching my dad football podcast i hope you've enjoyed
1: you know, Awfully, I've improved,
0: but we'd never know. Yeah, maybe st- step by step. We'll see the incremental improvements. Maybe by the end of the season, he'll know more than me.
1: I don't think so, but There you go. <laughs> see anyway. you guys.
0: Thank you.